0: Welcome to Protein's podcast, Stories of Growth, a series of conversations with founders and thought leaders doing amazing things around the globe who share their stories of growth and the lessons they've learned along the way. My name is Kess. I'm one of our community managers of ProteinDAO, focusing on our events and our community content. I'm also studying an MA in Internet Equalities at the UAL CCI, so I'm obsessed with people who are dedicating themselves to creating safer digital spaces and using tech for good. For well, this episode, I had the absolute pleasure of speaking with Molly Dixon, founder of Cowgirl Dow, who have brought a whole new light to Dao activism in their incredible fight to support and raise funds for abortion access in the US. The female-led Dow delivers a fuck you to the system covered in Cowgirl Get Up and Glitter. Hey everyone welcome to Protein's Twitter Spaces thank you so much for joining us and for taking the time to be here today really appreciate it and it's nice to see some familiar and some some familiar and some new faces um, I'll be your host for this episode and I'm so excited for this one we've been looking forward to it for a while um, So make yourself at home and feel free to share the link to this episode on your Twitter. If you like what you hear, Um, shameless plugs coming up. (laughs) Make sure you apply to join Protein at Protein.xyz and also follow Molly and CowgirlDAO and Computer Cowgirls and keep track of what they're up to because they're doing some really amazing stuff. Um, So I guess I'll start by introducing myself as your host for today. So my name is Kess and I'm one of our community managers uh, in the Protein DAO. I focus mainly on setting up our events and leading our DEI work within the community. Um, I'm really passionate about gender justice and making digital spaces safer, which is why I'm also studying an MA um, in Internet Equalities at UAL's Creative Computing Institute in London. Um, I'm actually about to start a thesis, like which is kind of imagining what would happen if women rebuilt the internet. So Molly and Cal Girl Dow have been like a really big inspiration in my research surrounding this idea. Um, so I'm really excited. Um, anyway, enough about me. I'll pass over to Molly, as it would be really great to hear from you, Molly, a bit about yourself and what you're up to at the moment.
1: Yeah. Hi. Um, First, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. And um, yeah, I'm just super excited to be here. So thanks for organizing. Um, Yeah, (laughs) several accounts. So I'll try to kind of explain how they all connect. Um, I'm Molly Dixon. I am a um, Texan-based artist, uh, a commercial artist, a photographer. And I jumped into Web3 in February with this very small Genesis collection that I named Computer Cowgirls, um, because why not? They're cowgirls on a computer. Um, they're all handmade. They weren't computer generated. Um, I didn't understand that at that time, and I didn't have a dev. I kind of, in some ways, jumped in without knowing much about Web3, which I think um, maybe is an interesting part of the conversation just as far as how someone like myself has intuitively interacted with the space. Um, but anyway, I, as kind of a response to SB8, which was the most restrictive abortion ban at that time, I launched the, the original small collection to raise... Um, fully primary and secondary sales all going to fight, um, for abortion access in Texas. And we, we dropped in and two drops and very quickly, I mean, we sold out each drop in minutes, really. Um, we raised $30,000 and donated to fund Texas choice. And so that was a little bit of a light bulb moment for me. Um, first of all, cause I came into the space, like I said, not really knowing anything about it. And of course I didn't have any expectations for, how my project would do necessarily, but it just it felt like I it was something to try. So after that, um, you know, of course, Computer Cowgirls it's become a little bit of a larger idea and and will be kind of a, a more fully fleshed out Web three brand in the future. But we had this idea to start Cowgirl DAO, which would be the continued nonprofit arm of Computer Cowgirls, and I um, every collection would have. Um, at least some percentage going towards cowgirl dow and i would also be creating one of one pieces um we hadn't quite worked out the time frame on that if it would be like once a month or quarterly but that would be auctioned off um and fully donated to cowgirl dow with the the draft leak um we we pivoted a little bit and our timeline of course um jumped considerably with when we were planning on launching cowgirl dow and we, we kind of created a, a larger initiative that would focus more on a United States a national effort um, beyond Texas so we we created a collection called the fuck you collection um and it's it's three editions uh three pieces of art in three editions at three different price points so it's it's ten thousand assets in total but it's it's three shared tokens um and so we launched that i don't have the exact timeline it was kind of all hands on deck and all hands on deck getting computer cowgirl ready um and yeah and we i think between the two projects we've raised um a little over seventy thousand dollars since february and obviously um the 201 originals are, are sold out and you can buy them on secondary but the the 10k fuck you collection which is um i mean it's it's kind of flashy it's wild and um you know, like overstimulating kind of like the rest of the work. But um, that's still minting. So that's something that we are continually um, able to raise money for or from and we think we will um, continue to raise money.
0: Wow, it's so amazing. Thank you also first for sharing all of that. Um, it's so amazing to hear about your story. And also the fact that you have sort of came into Web3 um, only in like February and said you didn't know much about the space and already you've done and accomplished so much um, that I think so many people are so like aspiring to. And um, yeah, I think you're really standing as like an icon in the space of how you can set something up really fast but do so much good with it. So yeah, it's very inspirational. Um, <laughs>
1: I mean, I definitely don't do it alone. I feel like, um, you know, I I think we're Computer Cowgirls, I would say, is a boutique small project. Our original collection was so small, that's just natural, right? But um, obviously, the community makes it, and the community um, is so pivotal in us being able to raise the funds. So definitely, I don't feel alone in the effort. But yeah, it does feel a little bit accidental, and um, (laughs) I would never have thought that I'd be here right now.
0: Oh, it's so cool. Sometimes when the best those are when the best things happen when you don't expect it. I think. Um, so I'm just wondering for people who might not know so much about what's going on in the U.S. at the moment, um, maybe you could tell us a little bit about the state of the abortion rights. Obviously, you are in Texas, but you also speak about the U.S. as a whole. Um, maybe you could just speak a little a little bit about about that and how it directly relates to um, the Dow.
1: Yeah, well, um, I, first of all, um, one of the reasons I love the DAO as an artist is I don't necessarily think that I am the expert on, um, you know, just the landscape necessarily of abortion rights and access in, in the U.S. Um, legally, or even like the best way to spend the fund. So as an artist, I love the idea of the DAO as kind of bringing in people from all backgrounds um, that are collectors to kind of help with these decisions and also their understanding of what's going on. So. Basically, the draft leak um, obviously showed us that Roe would be overturned. And in hindsight, that kind of gave states that were going to have trigger laws go into effect. It gave them the heads up to get organized and get ready. So now that we officially have overturn, um I think we have 12 states already that abortion is totally legal or heavily restricted. And we're looking at something like uh, 20 plus, 20 to 26 that are likely to be an abortion um, and of course, um, Roe, versus, Roe v. Wade was um, based on the right to privacy, so the implications of that are are larger. And um, obviously, there's we have more things at risk um, than abortion rights, but medical privacy and privacy alone. I mean, um, and other civil rights is just a. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. So it's, it's honestly, it's a little bit hard to wrap your mind around fully about how many ways we might be affected. And, um, and obviously it's concerning for people uh, or it's concerning to me people that think this might not affect them because um, it greatly affects us all. Um, So, yeah, so in Texas, we are obviously one of the states where um, (laughs) we like really led the way in this effort. So it's, it's, it's been um, an interesting thing to to just see the logistics that go into um, these organizations that have been fighting for abortion access, and also kind of see um, the funds that need to be raised to help an individual. I mean, I, the number that's been given to me is uh, for every person that needs to travel to receive an abortion, you're looking at needing to raise about a thousand to three thousand dollars depending on where they are in the country, how long that travel is. And of course that is not even considering time off work, child, you know, their childcare, whatever they have to leave um, to seek medical uh, services. So uh, it's really our cowgirl Dow. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel as far as um, coming up with new ways to support. We really just want to raise money and support the experts that have already been um, focused on this and that are already organized and, are really experts um, with dealing with reproductive rights, so that's what we're doing. And obviously, um, we're we're raising money by minting NFTs and meeting with people that can help us decide the best way um, to spend our money. We we've our DAO has sort of been focused more on grassroots efforts, small organizations that are definitely underfunded. I think part of the problem is is that um, you know no one necessarily feels super educated on this issue, right? That seems across the board, people feel a little bit like um, they might know Planned Parenthood, but they might not know additional um, funds to donate to. So I think that's also kind of one of the neat things about our donation and donating Web3 is that it's super transparent. So we, we publish, you know, like which organizations we're donating to, and maybe that helps give um, a little more um, face-to-name of like People realizing who who they can possibly donate to and become more aware of other organizations.
0: Mm, yeah, I think. Um, I mean, obviously, firstly, it's just such a like horrific and like almost terrifying thing that's happening, and it's like really worrying for the rest of the world as well as everyone being impacted in it, um, by it within the U.S. Um, so, I think it's really great as well that you're like really trying to support existing efforts rather than you know, trying to kind of, like, come on top as this whole new thing. Um, I wondered, I wanted to know, like, why you've obviously been interested in this for a while um, and uh, from experiences of everything that's been happening in Texas, um, but I wanted to know, like, what, what specifically excited you and everyone else in your community um, about using Web3 tools in, in these efforts rather than sticking to more, like, IRL or, or like, traditional fundraising methods.
1: Yeah, well, like I said, I, when I jumped into this space, not really understanding much about the space. Um, like everybody, at, you know, the biggest thing was wrapping your head around why NFTs, um, like why people want them, why people make them, why people uh, are interested at all really is kind of like the initial hurdle you have to wrap your head around. And so once I, somebody explained to me... Um, you know, and I launched in February, so it was kind of the height of, like, PFP collections, collectibles. I explained how collectibles worked, um, the collectability, and gameability, ability, um, and just also explained that a, a percentage of a lot of these projects go towards a cause, and I thought that was interesting. And then, you know, when you, as an artist, obviously, um, the secondary model is really interesting, right, because you have the ability to receive royalties and really set a project out into motion. Um, the community is the culture around your project, which is kind of nice because that is just it, it, it happens naturally in a way. Um and you can raise money long term. But that works really well, right, when you're thinking about raising money um for a cause, especially one like this that is um one, it is time sensitive. So it is hugely beneficial to raise money quickly. And obviously um being able to sell out two hundred and one assets in a matter of minutes. Um That definitely was something I saw on Web3 that I wouldn't necessarily have been able to do in Web2, even though the production that, you know, the front end of it was probably similar. Um, So that was really incredible. And um, and so, yeah, I think I think just thinking about like secondary alone is really interesting. And then obviously I was a little worried, you know, because I'm Texas based. It was kind of fighting for abortion rights in Texas. I was worried it might be a little bit of a local issue, but. The initial collection, I think people gravitated to for a lot of reasons. Some people really liked the art. I think being an outsider, the art mm-hmm. stood out probably a little bit. Some people really cared about the cause and the art was like a bonus. Um, you know, there's really no way to say. I will say that with the launch of the second collection, it was really easy for us to um, to kind of organize and, and, and come up with that really quickly because we we knew where all of our collectors stood on this issue. We weren't, you know, it wasn't like we were bringing a new issue to the table that we might not all be ideologically aligned on. So it was very easy with our existing collector base to kind of push that out. And of course, knowing that we're a boutique project, we reached out to a lot of other projects in the space and just said, um, basically like, Hey, can you support us? Can you throw a little muscle behind this? I mean, it's very transparent. Um, We we donated the, the full fuck you collection on a contract level. It all goes through endowment. So we don't take any of the money. Um, I mean, I'm just like fully in the red, I think, since I've been in Web3. So don't, ask to make, don't ask me how to make personal money. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think so we, you know, a lot of projects did and um, that was really beneficial too, to have the support.
0: Yeah, for sure. I actually, I did actually read about the fact that you're using or collaborate with endowment to distribute the the funds to like the organizations. Um, and yeah, how has it been? Like, obviously, you're doing Web three stuff, and then most of the organizations you're working with, I guess, are like you know nothing to do with Web three. Like, how has mm-hmm. it been? How has it been like sort of building those relationships and kind of like bridging that gap when when they're not sure um, about this Web three world?
1: Yeah, that was a big part of our early conversations when we were a little bit all hands on hands on deck after the leak. Um, we we kind of did a town hall meeting with. Um, People that were interested in Web three that were looking for a project that was working on this already, and obviously our existing collectors, and and we were trying to figure out um, a streamlined way to kind of onboard existing organizations. The problem is, is that they're not going to do it. It doesn't make any sense, and it doesn't mm. make any sense right now to ask anything of them um, because they are already in every as you know every aspect right now they are figuring out, um, new logistics to work around, um, new ways to fundraise. We want to be a really an additional fundraising effort on top of everything they're already doing. Um, so when we found endowment, it was really just the perfect match and what we were looking for. And it is incredibly easy. And I, obviously I'm not, um, I'm not, I don't work with endowment, like I won't work for them. So I can't speak on all the ins and outs, uh, how how it works, but any organization that has a 501c3 so a nonprofit that's in good standing they basically are already on endowment and then they just kind of have to like fill out one piece of paper to receive the money and so they don't like, actually accept crypto they are um it's being it, they get it in us on usd so it makes it super yeah. easy on our end yeah and their end too it's, it's like a really seamless process so thank god for endowment that's been um just like a lifesaver in this process
0: Oh, I'm so glad that you found a way to sort of make it a bit easier and like make a you know a way that's easy for the organisations and and for you to like work out the transferring of funds because um, I can imagine that was really difficult to to get your head around at first. Um, yeah. I also wanted to ask you about your work. Um, I feel like your work, the images, the gifts, the moving images, everything are so like distinct and unique and like have such a playful energy around them um do you think that this has made like cowgirl dao and like all the work you're making kind of uh i don't know make make this web3 work feel a bit more like appealing and accessible for people who you know might already be interested in in the issues that like at hand but not sure about web3
1: yeah we've seen especially with the fuck you collection um a lot of people will buy multiples and they'll they'll gift to somebody as their first NFT or we've had several people come Uh into the space and that and that is their first NFT and I it makes sense to me in some ways because it took a cause like this um for me to become involved in this space at the time I did I think eventually I would have come over anyway just being um you know an an animator and, and kind of motion artist but I think uh, sometimes like a, a reason or a cause gives people an idea of, of the possibilities and maybe how this is a little different than something like um, a GoFundMe, right? And um, and I do think I do think uh, culturally we watch you know culture follow technology, and I do think this this kind of extension of our digital selves that we've all become like really accustomed to online and. Um, and kind of showing what causes we believe in and also like what we need companies to show that they believe in, you know, we not being neutral, I think is something that we've really seen since black lives matter that we expect, um, you know, companies to, to stand up for causes. So I do think we, we kind of are seeing that transpire in web three too. And I do think, I do think, um, being able to show that you kind of put your money where your mouth is besides like maybe a, just an infographic, like the notorious infographic post on Instagram or whatever. Now it's like, <laughs> you know, you like it, it, there is like that level of uh, awareness is, or like, my favorite term is like slacktivism. But I also think when it shows <laughs> that you've actually donated money, um, and then you're continually like helping to, um, promote a cause. Um, I do think that that is like a little bit of a better step. Right. Um, yeah, and, I, and I, the thing is too is we've also had people join Cowgirl DAO when they've when they've minted um, because they want to be even more involved and kind of helping us, um, you know, on a more intimate level with organizing and uh, and voting and deciding where the money goes. So I think that's cool too because I I do think in times like this having something tangible um, that you feel like you can do even with your skill set like Cowgirl DAO. I mean, we need just so many various um, you know skill sets if you're like. I don't know, a graphic designer, like we can use you. And so it's kind of amazing to be able to say, I maybe this skill set wouldn't have like I couldn't have seen how this would work for activism necessarily in web two, but it's so easily you can organize and activate your skill set in web three. So that's all been interesting to see.
0: Mm, that is so interesting like I often if I have like conversations with my friends when I'm trying to explain like what web 3 is or or why web 3 is a good thing uh especially to people who are skeptical um I'm always like look you can do really amazing activism work with it and mobilize really quickly and effectively with people like all over the world and I always show DAO as an example um and it always <laughs> makes people feel more positive about web 3 so there is definitely um, something in the fact that, you know, showing something for good is like a really, really positive, um, positive use case. And hopefully people feel like empowered that they can actually get involved and, and make the change as well. Um, so, yeah, I think that you guys have done a really good job of that. And even the language you use as well. Like, um, it must be, you you must have a lot of interest from people who are not native to web3 who want to join like cowgirl dao or be involved in some way like how do you how do you go about onboarding these people that are new to web3 like in in the dao do you have like a sort of specific process for that
1: yeah i always well i always say that cowgirl dao i refer to it as a baby dao right because i think that we're all kind of um you know, we we're obviously running before we can walk in some ways. And I, a part of that is just because we had the need to launch much earlier than anticipated. So, um, you know, so we're kind of dealing with that and we're always trying to figure out how to make our existing system more efficient. And DAOs, it seems, it's so interesting to talk to anyone that has a DAO because they're so custom tailored to that specific project. And it, it's kind of just this like, evolving model that we we're kind of figuring out as we go. But the best part is you have kind of a group that helps do that together. So it's not like I had to decide how this is going to be set up and run and then, um, and fill in some placeholders. It's, it's kind of an evolving process, um, that we're working on. We do have a board, which is about seven members right now that just kind of help, um, meet regularly and come up with kind of little agendas and, and ideas of things we need to do. Obviously our full, um, our full DAO votes on any, uh, how we're going to spend any funds. And we also have a veto board um, that we're, um, we're using just to make sure we stay ideologically aligned. And and that's just something that someone had brought to our attention early on is that um, to become a member of cowgirl DAO, you have to own a bad habits pass. Mm. So you don't want the risk of, you know, somebody an outside activist group coming in and buying up every single bad habits pass and then turning, um, the goal of the project. So basically our veto board, they have no, they're, they're experts in the field. Um, they have no voting power and all they get to do is just say like, no, basically for any proposal. Um, which (laughs) which I think it, you know, is like, and it really depends on, you know, how big of a mark you have on your back. I mean, even fundraising right now, maybe in a Texan is like, uh, it's a little iffy possibly fundraising for this, but I, I think it probably depends on um, like I said, how, how much you're on their radar. But, um, I think that probably long-term might be something that we do have to worry about. So we're just, it's like little things like that, that we're just trying to like tweak as we go. And, um, and of course just really it's in our discord, people come in and they, they say, Hey, I just bought a bad habits fast and I'm in the down now and I can do this. (laughs) And so it's kind of just, taking note and then saying, Hey, I have this, um, I need, I need help with this. Can you do this? And, and that's kind of how we've worked. And I think because the DAO is small, like we have 200 members, it's, it, you know, and people are varying degrees of busy. I, I always say like, if you, if you have time, that's a huge asset. People tend to have money or time. They don't always have both. So, um, mm. you know, people that have the ability to donate some time, um, you know, say it's even one month or whatever, a couple of weeks or a day, like, that's hugely beneficial so we try to tap into that as much as possible um but yeah it's a a work in progress
0: oh amazing it sounds like you're doing loads of really like nice and thoughtful things to keep your community like very safe and comfortable and like collaborative um i love the idea of a veto board that's so good (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it made me think about um yeah i feel feel like cowgirl down and all the work you're doing is having such a strong impact like outside of web three like on you know like for these people um working in organizations to fight for abortion rights and access and then also the people impacted by the work that those organizations are doing like it's really like the impact is like really rippling down into sort of like the in-person world and I feel like you're also having um I mean from my perspective it feels like you're also having a really big impact within the web three space at the same time like I feel like you know, you and cowgirl Dow being, like, uh, seems like mainly female-led, like, I feel like that's really powerful, um, because obviously, like, there are loads of, like, amazing women and people of all different identities in this space, but it does still feel very dominated by, like, cis white males and, you know, tech bros and all of this. Um, so I wanted to ask you a bit about this side of Web3 and, like, maybe the, the dent that you're making in it. Um and I know that a lot of people uh, on talks that we've done before, or like around this topic of sort of inclusion and belonging, um, have spoken about how, you know, the original intentions of Web3 were, were more about like creative liberation or, you know, liberation from old systems that aren't working for us. Um, and sometimes it feels like it's moving away from that. But I feel like what you're doing is very much uh, sort of adhering to that. So I wanted to ask you, like, how you think we can do more to like protect these original intentions of the space and really harness the potential of the space to have a positive social impact like I think you're doing.
1: Yeah. I mean, I will say um, coming into this space, especially working on a cause like this, it I didn't it didn't occur to me right away, but it was pretty quickly that I realized how neutral or how apolitical Web3 is. Um, And so that's been interesting, too, especially because I'm an artist. Everyone I know in my real life is um, definitely not in the middle. So it's been kind of a thing that way. Um, As far as uh, these, like, large um, men-dominated projects, I will say that I feel like most of the activism in Web3, you see it a lot in women-led projects, which I think is amazing. But I I also wish that we would see a little bit more... um, of these large, large original projects come on board, even to throw a muscle behind a project um, or just feel like, you know, they are, they have a stand um, in this. It's kind of funny, right? Because we always say like, you need it, you know, if you don't have a uterus, you don't have a vote, which is so true. So true. But also like, we don't want people taking a back seat, especially when, you know, there's a huge gender gap already in web three. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's so much money in Web3. It's ridiculous. So it's just kind of like, I don't know. That part is a little frustrating to me because um, I I think it's like on one hand, you want to build the Web3 that you want. And on the other hand, like, let's not pretend like Web3 doesn't have the original problems of Web2, right? Like we've we've all transitioned over. So it's kind of like kind of that constant fight of like, what do we want from this? And we just need to kind of demand it.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. I love that. It's, um, it's, uh, it makes me think about my thesis question of what if women rebuilt the internet? <laughs> um, well, they
1: should. I mean, that would be totally different if it was like, <laughs> that would be like a whole dream scenario. But I mean, um, yeah, it's, it, un- unfortunately it's being like two, and it feels like very two separate, um, web three worlds a little bit. And, mm-hmm. And it doesn't necessarily like you can see how how quickly the other the male dominated projects evolve and stuff. And so it is it's interesting because I'm not a, I don't have a background in tech. And I think that's very common in like a tech space. But for an artist, you're like, what is happening? This is like something <laughs> I didn't quite I didn't experience on this level um and web two, so for me it's like a little bit of a highlighted issue that I'm always kind of like how do we deal with this
0: <laughs> for sure it's a lot to get your head around and like it's happening so fast and coming from all different angles all the time It's so overwhelming um and yeah like you said it is hard when there's like you know male projects or like male-centered projects um like being funded a lot more and a lot more energy put into them um and you're just sat there like why not me um because I'm a woman for god's sake um so I wanted to ask you like how do you like along with all the work that you're doing like how do you think that we can bring like more power to under-resourced people and projects uh, in the space or if there's anyone else you've seen like doing like really good stuff um in that kind of uh way You know, I'm not sure
1: I have all of the answers necessarily for that, but I do think there's been, um, I mean, our project is small, so I feel like I've seen on some level just the ability of projects kind of banding together to lift each other up in in groups to um, promote projects. I think that's so important, you know, Um, and if you think about projects as like little Web3 companies, we don't see that really in the same way in Web2. So that is something that feels very unique because, like say, even our project that's raising money and display for this cause, you could have a, a larger project that's minting that could throw like they could just make up utility and throw it at our project. Like if you own a fuck you, we're gonna like put you in this raffle for a pre-mint or whatever, or you're gonna get like early access um cement. So they could they could just do that immediately, and it's it's so easy. and and so that part is the organization part the ability just to kind of, um, to lend support that way is very unique to me. And so, I mean, there might be better answers to the question, but for me, I would think just being able um, to help get eyes on projects, to support projects in that way, because that is one of the benefits is the lightning speed of this space. Um, And so it kind of is easier to magnify projects if you choose to.
0: For sure, for sure. I feel like the speed of Web3 is something that can like, be like really pivotal or really detrimental it depends it depends in what circumstance you're in i think but um yeah maybe i can ask you about like uh your growth and like or like and cowgirl dao's growth um as you grew like very quickly how was how did you find this like managing it internally like how did that like feel and and how did you sort of like build around that (laughs) No, I
1: so relate when you say, like, it is, like, what it's, like, the double side of the coin, right? Like, it moves fast. It's so great. Also, it's, like, so fast it's hard to keep up. Um, mm-hmm. And, I mean, I feel like I have a lot more stamina for this space now, even of uh, being a few months in. I think that's why everybody refers to anyone that's been in for a couple of months as, like, an OG in some ways. Because, like, you've had to run this race for a while. And it's, like, it is, it's a fucking race. Like, it's so much energy. <laughs> and it's a lot to stay involved Um and it's a lot to balance, too. So I think for me, it's just been kind of like a nice outlet, a nice way to to kind of um, throw my time and energy in a way that mm. I might um, in a positive way, basically, because I think we're all kind of internalizing what's happening and um, dealing with it in our own ways. So that's been great, obviously, um, for me uh, as a single artist, learning how to ask for support, um, is like a hard thing personally, just because I, I tend, I work very much like a, a one man band kind of thing. Um, so being able to kind of like, a, like figure out how to make this project bigger than me, which is my goal. And it, and it is something that I've seen, um, the real benefits of is like letting it be beyond, beyond me and have a life of its own. And I think that's one of the cool thing about having a collector base is it inherently is, way more about you it's all these people um come to the table and, and rally around the projects and a cause so that's been really great um i mean I, I we're figuring that out too i think uh stamina is kind of like a web three topic but also activism like like how do you um how can you make sure that you're not going to burn out quickly um when you're trying For to raise sure. a pause like this and it's so it's tricky right i think um computer cowgirls, we, we do try to bridge that gap a little bit of like, I, I just have noticed in our base, um, you know, some people, depending on where they are in the country or what their background is, we might be the only community that, that is pro-choice in their life that they're a part of. Um, and so sometimes they really, they kind of need that. And some people kind of like the idea they need like just to come in and like decompress around like a project that also is a little bit uh flippant and loud and fun um so it's kind of like this weird mix of both um and and trying to balance that is tricky because uh I mean it's just tricky for all of us right now like we we have to be able to think about how do we last um how do we not give in to overwhelm basically um web 3 and and activism for this
0: (laughs) yeah it's a lot I feel like like you said yeah web 3 is a lot activism is a lot together it's a lot <laughs> um yeah. but like I feel like everything you're doing and your whole community doing is like seems like you're like managing seriously well and like doing lots of good for loads of people so it's uh it's really really inspiring um yeah I wanted to ask you um if you don't mind a little bit about your sort of personal story and how you got into this position, um, to be doing all these things.
1: Um, like just as far as the, well, okay. Well, uh, so I feel like I'm, I feel like that I can say like firsthand that I am not like an activist person and web two. So in a weird way, it's giving me like, um, the incentive or a platform and a, in a a way maybe that's just really seamless for me to do it. Um, that like all these things kind of align together. Um, I think the work I do lends itself to Web three really well. I my I mean I say if I'm a photographer and I do consider myself a photographer, but a lot of stuff I do is really um, kind of collage and animo- uh, animation based. Like really gif, it's lo fi, but it's it's really intricate, really loud, and it's something I been doing for, I don't know, probably five or six years. And it's about half my workload now. And it's definitely, um, the stuff I do that gets the most attention. And, uh, as a commercial artist, you know, I really, I work with brands and businesses directly. So I didn't have like a very forward, uh, public facing side of me. So being able to even have pieces or works I can create, um, that everyday people can own is very different. Platform wise, and of course, I don't think about Web3 as a platform as much now. I think about it as a whole new medium. But uh, originally, you know, realizing that all of a sudden these gifts I made, people can own them, is hugely beneficial. So that was something that I, that, you know, everyone had kind of told me, like, you should look into this. And it is kind of a natural fit that way. I think as an artist, and I hate using that term because I'm a commercial artist and I, I really, I think we <laughs> use artists and art like way too liberally. It's just an easier term to say. Um, but I, I think that's like up for other people to decide if your work is art or not. But um, I, I do think being a photographer, at least, I've already, I'm kind of primed to come into Web3 because photographers have already kind of been like the redheaded stepchild of of the, the fine art world, um, you know, you've already had to kind of go through several <laughs> technological leaps with digital and redefining in your head, what, what this evolving medium is. So it's not a hard jump to like say, okay, now I'm going to try this, this new thing. Um, and then combine that with being in Texas and just really wanting to stick it to Greg Abbott. Um, and you see the <laughs> is Peter Caldwell. So, <laughs> you know, I think that's probably sums up how I, how I kind of ventured in this space and why it was a fit for me personally.
0: Yes, love that. Um, It's really cool. It's so interesting hearing you speak about, like, you know, all the different mediums you've been through and everything. And also, I love what you said about Web3 as a medium. I've actually never thought about it like that before, and it makes a lot of sense. And I think that's, like, a really interesting and also, like, healthy way to see it and, like, makes... Yeah, I just feel like a light bulb ticked off in my brain then. (laughs)
1: No, it it took me a while, and at first, like, I, I really... I mean, I think artists always, like, resist, like, a a new thing sometimes. Um, And I I didn't understand, like, these generative projects. um, It it seemed, like, cheaper in a way. But I've, like, really grown to appreciate um, how this is a whole new medium. I think what we see right now with NFTs and, you know, I think it also really encourages the bad uh, reputation NFTs have as far as, like, what the art is. Because I think it's really – we're, like, web 3.0, 1.0 right now, I think – in the future think projects really have to start embracing the technology but i do think for like nfts in particular especially when we're thinking about this cause you know it's interesting because you, nfts can be evolving pieces of information you know you see some projects where like they the nft adapts and it changes throughout the day depending on like what's being on you know what uh, tweeted about or what the weather is but imagine mm, I love if it was pieces of information about how to um, maybe self-manage an abortion with like uh, the abortion pill in a state that's restricted or or mm. there was information on like where who to contact. Um, because that information is also being censored is a huge thing right now. It's like, um, what if these are these are pieces that um, we could we could own that are, are updating, but also, you know, like you own a piece that's visible to the whole world, so you don't even have to own it to be able to access the information. Um, things like that I think I think there'll be interesting ways um for this cause maybe specifically that that can kind of be like honed in on um especially as we like head into our dystopian future <laughs> you know it's like maybe these are things and you know just the anonymous level alone is like I being able to anonymously donate um in states where that might be problematic too but also yeah. have a very transparent like funnel of how the funds are used. It's like, I think there are some I, I think there's so many things that that hit both of these buckets for what we need to fight right now and kind of what Web3 has to offer. So I'm kind of excited to see how people continue to, to use those.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's definitely really, really exciting. And I and I, I love your like angle on it as well of like, yeah, there is loads of like really dystopic stuff happening, but there's also loads of really you know optimistic and positive stuff happening like that would be amazing That idea you said about like having a sort of you know functional nft that actually helps you in your like reproductive health like that would be life-changing for so many people um so yeah so so interesting i love i love that idea um and i also wanted to ask you because your work has been so specifically about like Texas and obviously all the cowgirl imagery, which is so great. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I love it so much. Um, I wanted to ask you if you've like, you know, have you always been in Texas? Like, did you grow up there or like, have you always lived there?
1: Yes. I'm i I'm born and raised in Dallas. I, I don't think I've, like, really, I've, like, fallen in love with Texas, which is, like, so weird to say, I think, right now. (laughs) But I think I've, like, fallen in love with Texas, like, more and more the last few years and, like, maybe identified more as a Texan. I mean, Texas is, like, one of those weird states where, like, people are very proud to be Texan, Um, regardless of what what all is happening. We, you know, I do think Texans have a lot of fight, though, too, and I think, um, you know, I, I feel very optimistic, and I think Texas is a huge state where if we could turn Texas, I think would have big implications. But, but yeah, I, uh, I, I don't know, just kind of like a crazy, like um, turn of projects where I, j- I had a lot of projects that needed these Texas animations. And so I kind of, I, I created some very long format pieces that were um, install pieces for uh, one for a, comp- a hotel and another one for a museum. And, um, where I was just like really animating and like it was kind of they're both just like I love you notes to Texas in a way so I mean I and I I do love like really it's like you know like Americana stuff but there's like Texacana or it's like a Whataburger and you know all this cheesy stuff that I think is like I don't know so part of our culture in a way that I uh in in a cheap way that I kind of love it um and maybe that's just my fashion background is like kind of more of a flippant um view of of art and in, in some capacity, but <laughs> so, yeah, I feel like, uh, I, you know, the cowgirls kind of came in, um, they were kind of an extension of that museum piece I did for the, it was for the cowgirl hall of hall of fame in um, in Fort Worth. So, so, so cool. yeah, I've, I've been living with like cowgirls in my life for like months on end. And then I was just like, man, I should make these just to like, to stick it to Greg Abbott and that would be fun. And, and so that's kind of like, <laughs> That was, like, just a little bit of, like, an idea, and then I just did
0: it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love the fact that, like, obviously you're speaking about something very negative happening in Texas, um, but using, like, really fun and, like, playful, like, iconography from it and just the really using, like, really playful, like, images and language to sort of tackle that issue is, is really powerful and, and, yeah, works so well. Um, Thank you. So did you like, you've obviously been, had a background as a photographer and now you're like sort of more working with moving images and stuff. Did you, what was your education like? Did you like go to uni to do that or did you just, was it just like a passion?
1: Um, yeah, I, I do have a BFA, so I have a, um, a fine art degree in photography, although I, you know, Dallas is a decent, um, advertising and commercial photography hub, so, I think I always knew that I would probably not really pursue a career as a, a fine artist and I would move into the commercial space. Um, and so that's exactly what I did, really. Um, and, uh, and, you know, assisted. I lived in Florida for a while and I hated it. <laughs> I moved to Texas. So, yeah, I've been here and and working for about, like, 15-ish years. Um, and been, yeah, it's been kind of a, a work, or a, a changing landscape. I, I've always kind of done my own thing a little bit. And I think, um, maybe, you know, right around the time of like Instagram and social media, I think, uh, my work is always translated for an evolving platform in some ways, because I do, you know, I do a lot of like, animation ads and, and stuff that really is, is computer-based, online-based people view it that way. So watching, watching things move out of like print publications and into more digital formats, it's a good fit for me, probably just personality wise and uh, style wise. So, um, so yeah.
0: So cool. So cool. Um, you're like the cowgirl queen of Texas. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: um, it's so funny because I don't even have like a cow, I don't have a cowgirl hat or like boots or anything. I'm like, the most like cowgirl loving person that doesn't like it all resemble that. at
0: all. Only online. I feel like if you have it online, you still have it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: There's my digital wearables. I've got lots of wearables.
0: So cool. Um, uh, what do your like I feel like when I think about myself when I speak about what I'm doing to my family it's like I feel like they still don't understand what I'm doing <laughs> so I wanted to ask you about how like how your family um, sort of reacted to what you're doing like are they involved or yeah what what do they think?
1: Um, I don't think they really understand what's happening <laughs> I it's funny my entire career I mean I've um, you know, I've shot for some, some bigger brands. I've, I've done stuff for Ferragamo. My mom, like literally, she doesn't care. She, she, like, she, it, I could be telling her like what I'm going eat for dinner. And, um, in the same breath, like she doesn't, it doesn't hit her in any way. But, um, <laughs> with this project we did early on, we got, um, the Washington Post reach out to us and, and they did a, yeah. a story on us. And that was the very first time that she's been like, sending stuff to her friends so I was like this is so interesting in a way I think she I think uh, to see how you could do it for for a cause I think is really like to her m- makes it you know advertising is advertising so it's not like super exciting to be like uh this is what I'm doing but um I don't know maybe that was like her moment where she was like wait this is cool, <laughs>
0: <It's> cool. oh <laughs> That's really cute. Yeah, and I saw that article in the Washington Post and it was so good. Congrats. Oh, thank you. Surprising, (laughs)
1: but I mean, all of it has been, really.
0: Oh, no, it's really cool. It's really cool. Um, Cool. I wanted to, I know I'm conscious of time and we have only got like a little bit less than 10 minutes. So I actually wanted to see if anybody in the audience has any questions at all. Um, If you do, feel free to like request and we can bring you up to speak. Also, if you don't feel like asking any questions, totally fine as well.
1: I'll just use this time to um, do a shameless plug for the Fuck You collection. If anybody wants to share it, um, it is still minting. So, um, like I said, 100% uh, proceeds for primary and secondary obviously will go to this. Uh, and Cal World Dow decides how we spend the funds. It's all through endowment. And the minting site is in my bio, but it's also 10kfuckus.com. <laughs>
0: Whoop, whoop. Yeah, everybody get involved.
1: It's like a little satisfying way to say, fuck you.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Oh my God, I love it so much. Whenever I show anyone, they're like, yeah, this is this is just great. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like we need something like this in the UK for it to be against our government as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's the cool thing too is that we've seen a lot of projects, um, especially since Overturn, launch and also raise money for this. And so... Um, you know, it's been inspiring to see like how many other other groups are are thinking about this, um, or even like the hug. Uh, that project did something really interesting where they did a group mm-hmm. buy for us, where they kind of rallied around. They used Prism, and they just um, within their community, whatever they had, they could donate. Like um, even if it was like point zero zero one mm-hmm. ETH or whatever. They would uh, they gathered it all together and they minted as many of our top tier. NFTs as they could and I think they within that one community they raised four or five thousand dollars and then they did a really interesting thing where then they auctioned or they raffled off those pieces to people outside their community it was like you know like a kind of a classic like tag people that care about this cause and follow us so then they kind of used it to like amplify um but like not only their own project which does a lot of great work but the cause too so I thought it was like that was such an interesting way to to kind of think about it and and work with it. so I'd love to see that like replicated within other projects I think um like I said that's I think kind of a really good example of like web three having creative solutions or different mm. ways people kind of use the same technology
0: for sure, that's really nice I think mean, that's a really nice way to also like uh especially when you're having like a positive social impact to like show up in different spaces and sort of try and spread spread the impact of it. I think that's really nice yeah um cool i'm guessing nobody has any questions which is fine um but yeah i was gonna just end on like how should people like best contact you or get involved with cowgirl um you obviously mentioned the minting already um
1: yeah um through (laughs) i have multiple twitter accounts um and (laughs) computer cowgirls i we have the link tree in the bio where you can um Kind of see our Discord and our website is computercowgirls.io, so you can get more information there. You can come in Discord. You can slide into my DMs, and I'm I'm trying to be better about. To, I swear I get so many DMs sometimes that I I'm really like I am that artist like cannot remember to reply to some. Um, but I'm trying to go through and catch up on all of them. But all of those things, those different ways, are um, somebody for sure will be able to to spot you and um, answer any questions you might have or tell you how to be involved.
0: Amazing. I actually thought of one last question. Since you said you have loads of wearables... Um, I wanted to oh, ask you what know. your I favorite know. thing what is.
1: <laughs> I was like, oh, I think the future will have like, for sure, like these like crazy like loud, tacky computer cowgirl wearables. I don't know. I I love, I do like so many of their clothes, and it's like a, a whole different persona. Um, <laughs> they're real matchy matchy. I think cowgirl fashion is so matchy matchy and uh,
0: and yeah, loud. very coordinated. <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if I have a favorite. I do. I do like some of like the the ten gallon hats with like fringe um you know like where like everybody has like their kind of like celebrity collector that like they would be super psyched about and I think like for me be like Erica Badu I think she would be
0: oh (laughs) my god yeah she would rock one of those
1: I know and she's like such a Texas treasure so um yeah I think I always I always gravitate towards those hats because they remind me of her I think she's super cool
0: Oh, oh my god, that is that is goal is to have Erica Baduber in your cowgirl hat.
1: <laughs> I would die, I would
0: die. <laughs> oh, that's such a fun thing. Um, well, yeah, I think that we can end. There, thank you so much for your time. It's been honestly so interesting and inspiring to hear everything about your journey, um, like personally and with everything with Cowgirl Dow and Computer Cowgirls. So, thanks so much for joining us and for taking the energy and time to share everything with us. No, thank you,
1: thank you so much for having me. This is great.
0: Thank you, everybody. Go follow Molly and Cowgirl Dow Al, and all the different uh Twitter accounts.
1: <laughs> Bye. <laughs>